Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Warden's Wisdom. I'm your host, Jimmy Warden. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about dopamine, and specifically, we're going to finish out the three-part series about dopamine. And in today's part, to finish out, we're going to talk about some of the correlations between uh, how dopamine influences both creativity and madness. And so if you're curious about how dopamine might contribute to your levels of creativity or perhaps lack thereof, as well as maybe when you get into some of those more manic states, uh, this is the podcast for you. So uh, without further ado, we'll take a quick little break just so that we can hear a quick word from our sponsors and then we'll get right into this episode. So after listening to some of the episodes in this series, you might think to yourself that dopamine seems to have an influence on damn near everything we do, uh, from the decisions that we make in each and every moment to some of the feelings that we experience on a daily basis like joy or disappointment, from how we build our relationships, what our desires are, what our habits or addictions are, what our goals are. Not only does dopamine have an influence on all of those things that I just mentioned, but it also has an influence on both what we know as creativity and what we know as madness. And the craziest part about all of this is the fact that creativity and madness also have some blurred lines and are actually a lot more closely linked than people might think. So first, let's start with how we really perceive the world around us. So, Because this will help kind of make some connections in terms of how We are both creative and a little bit manic at times. So in order for us to make any meaning and really understand the world around us, we need to have some type of foundational understanding of the world so that we have representations of what things are and what their purpose is. This is what scientists call a model. And models are ways that we make meaning of the world that is out of our grasp. When something isn't within our direct personal perception, we must imagine what it smells like, what it tastes like, what it sounds like, what it feels like, and what it looks like. And this is because these things are not close enough for us to smell them, taste them, hear them, feel them, or see them. So these models also allow us to make meaning of these abstract ideas and objects that are literally out of our reach. You know, for example, when we see a type of car that we've never seen before, we still understand that it's a car because of the model that we have in our minds of what a car looks like and what a car sounds like. Our model of a car might be slightly now reconfigured as far as the understanding of what conceptually qualifies as a car because now we can take that original model and we can build on it based on that previous understanding and previous knowledge of what a car is and now we can add some of the elements of this new car that we have seen and now perceived and include that into our new conceptual understanding of what a car is and Model making, so when we create models of things in the world, model making is actually driven by dopamine because it is a process that we use to break down our old conceptual understandings of the world around us so that we can create new ones. And 
as we've known and learned previously from these other podcast episodes, dopamine is always trying to make things better for us and trying to make things more, right? And so this comes into play when we're making new models. These models have the tendency to be out of our physical reach, as I've said before, which is why we need dopamine to construct these models. Dopamine allows us to make meaning of things that are not within our reach because there is now an imagined ideal. When we have something within our physical grasp, we're actually experiencing it via what are called our here and now neurotransmitters, such as serotonin, endorphins, oxytocin, and endocannabinoids. And these here and now neurotransmitters are how we experience sensations and oftentimes our emotions. Something in our immediate environment causes us to hear or smell something to which we might have an emotional attachment such as fear or joy. For example, you hear the ding of the oven, you smell the cookies that are being made, and you might feel joyous or excited that these cookies are ready. This is a here and now experience. No matter what models we have constructed and whether or not they're within our reach, uh, there needs to be also a level of significance of those models in relationship to us. And in order for something to have significance, right, and in order for us to be able to make that model of something new, there needs to be an amount of salience. And salience is the level of significance or importance that something has within our lives. Something that is salient for one person may not be salient for other people, uh, so therefore it's highly variable. Saliency tends to be correlated with both novelty and newness, because novelty and newness have a tendency to stick out more and really catch our attention. This is how saliency is correlated with dopamine, because in order for something to be salient, it actually must trigger desire dopamine. This, this signals the brain's attention to make significance of it and to try to respond appropriately amidst that new thing that we are perceiving. The things that we experience on a daily basis are not always salient because they're not new but rather they tend to eventually become mundane due to the fact that they are both repetitive and predictable. So this is actually inhibition of salience in action. But in order for us to help build these models, salience can help because in order for something to be included in a model, in our understanding of what that thing is, there must be a level of importance to it so that it is included in the model. We often perceive more of what we believe is important because if something is important, again, it will stick out in both our visual schemas and our thought schemas. This is how we create belief systems. This is how we create core values and frameworks of society. We often tend to take on the belief systems, core values, and societal frameworks that have worked for the generations before us because they served as models for success. And so because they've served as models for success and they provide that framework, therefore it would also be important and salient to those individuals that value that same success in whatever area they're looking at and trying to, trying to be successful in. 
This is essentially how knowledge and wisdom is actually passed down through the years because people have models of what worked for them and what didn't work for them in their life. Then they had to reconfigure these models over time to try to make them a little bit better as time progressed. And this process actually happens hundreds of thousands of times over a lifetime so that at a certain point it develops into that successful model that we're looking for that people want to then replicate aspects of within their own life. And this is actually also, when you think about it, it really kind of is that creative process in a nutshell. So this is a nice little time to segue into how dopamine is connected with creativity. So we're engaging in creativity, the creative process, when we take old models and we replace them with new recreated models. This is a dopamine-driven process due to the fact that there is an imagined, ideal, future outcome. All of those aspects of not just imagination, ideal, but also the future, those are all driven by dopamine because dopamine is not a here and now neurotransmitter. It's always looking forward to the future. This is actually how Isaac Newton came up with the laws of motion and the concept of gravity. This is how Beethoven wrote his symphony, symphonies. This is how J. Cole writes his raps. And the list, the list can go on and on because essentially when a person is engaging in any type of creative work, they're constantly redesigning their way of thinking to allow their full creativity to come through. Their imagined ideal outcome continues to change as they get further in their process because their mind is free-flowing in that pre present moment, which inevitably changes each future outcome as each moment passes. And on the contrary, on the flip side of that, when people have an ideal outcome in mind and they have it, they're very fixated on that ideal outcome, what they do throughout their creative process can actually become mentally exhausting because they're trying to calculate their every step towards that outcome rather than letting their guard down and letting their mind be free. This is often found with dopaminergic personality traits such as perfectionism and neuroticism. So people are really trying to strive for that ideal so hard that they become perfectionists and they become a little bit neurotic and they might even experience a little bit of anxiety uh, or maybe even a lot of anxiety because they're not getting to the point that they want to and they're really not sure how to get there. Uh, and the reason is, is that they're not letting their mind be free. And oftentimes when we get caught in these ruts in terms of trying to get to a certain point, we're looking for a certain path. But there isn't always a path that has been carved for us. And this obsession with perfection, it tends to have a negative effect on relationships as well. Um, you know, on relationships, you know, because others perceive that perfectionism as actually being distant and indifferent towards other people. And this can actually make relationships very challenging uh, for highly critical and creative individuals because they're never satisfied. And when people are never satisfied, they can actually lead themselves down the path of psychosis and psych psychopathy because they're continuously driven by dopamine, whispering, kind of whispering in their ear to do a little bit more, to make their outcome a little bit better, no matter how great 
that that outcome might already be. There's never a sense of satisfaction there because they're so dopamine driven. And that satisfaction piece is, is that acceptance and, and being able to be in that present moment and enjoy what you've created. And, you know, this is actually a big reason why there's a fine line between creativity and madness because the fine line, you know, between the two aspects of personality can just be attributed to the fact that, you know, those two aspects of personality are both dopamine driven processes uh, that involve how models are created and how salient those models are. So mental illnesses such as schizophrenia and psychopathy um, are driven by dopamine because people that suffer from those illnesses give salience to ordinary things that the majority of mankind and humans might not, probably would not, give salience too. This is what's called low latent inhibition. And what that means is that those with schizophrenia and psychopathy, they can't shut off parts of their models of the world. So for example, someone with schizophrenia, they might have the thought that a news reporter on TV is talking about them when in reality, they're just doing their job. And that's actually a quick example of how something salient to a schizophrenic is not salient to the everyday person. And this low latent inhibition also occurs during the creative process because it is needed in order to make new models to allow for new understandings that weren't important to then become important and replace the old understandings that are no longer important. Low latent inhibition also allows for the mind to flow freely without an attachment to thoughts or feelings during that creative process. You know, for example, often uh, writers, they, they just write their first draft without much attachment to what they're writing in the moment, because if they did, then their thoughts wouldn't be flowing freely. They would be really consolidating their, their creative thinking within a certain area of their mind, and they're not allowing themselves to push past the boundaries that they've then put on themselves. And rather, again, they'd be controlled by that rather than letting their true creativity take the wheel. So in a way, you know, really creative people actually do end up acting a bit schizophrenic with some of the things that they might say or do within their process because the ideas are just flowing out of them without this filtering system that is checking for saliency. And this is also why the creative process can become a bit maddening because as the constant fine-tuning and obsession over all of the minutia of a creative project you know, could eventually drive one to psychosis just because of the fact that they want every little detail right so that that perfectionist right can eventually kind of get to that point of being so driven by perfection that they drive that they literally drive themselves crazy and so to start wrapping this up a little bit i just want to try to revisit some of those main points in order for us to fully understand how dopamine contributes to both creativity and madness so in order for us to make meaning of the world around us, we need to create models. Um, and the way that we create models is through a dopaminergic process because when we cannot 
experience the physical or emotional sensations of something. We need to create models of our environment that we can't physically or emotionally perceive so that we can understand all of its different parts. In this model-making process, we need to give importance and we need to give things meaning so that it can then be in the model. So therefore, it needs to have a certain level of salience or a certain level of importance in order for it to be placed into the model that we are now constructing. And this construction of models is also how that creative process takes place. There's a constant flow of new salient ideas and information due to kind of, we'll say, letting our guard down in layman's terms. But what that really is, is what's called low latent inhibition, where we start to give ideas, thoughts, new meaning, and giving them a level of importance that we didn't give them previously. So that's how creativity really comes forth, is that we're giving a level of importance to things that we have never made important previously. And during this process of creativity, there isn't a whole lot of emotional attachment to what is being given meaning uh, at the time because there's also a detachment from the ideal outcome. You're just really in that moment. You're just really experiencing that creative process as it's moving forward in time. But it's really during that refining or that revision portion of the creative process that can actually start to blur the lines a little bit between being creative and then becoming mad or manic and really experiencing madness in and of itself because it tends to be that emotional attachment to the outcome which starts to kind of get people a little bit crazy we'll say because there's so much attachment to that outcome right due to perhaps a perfectionist tendency that people who really take it to those extremes and are constantly refining every little detail get so emotionally drained and so emotionally exhausted that eventually they do have bouts of psychosis and psychopathy. And that's what really makes the lines between creativity and madness so blurry. And we can all point back to that neurotransmitter of dopamine because the creative process is driven by that and in order for us to really have an enjoyable creative experience we need to really be able to let go of what we want things to be in the sense of it it's not always going to be ideal in the sense of it's not going to work out exactly the way that we want it to and that's okay and it's important for us to really take that into account because if we don't, we'll eventually just lead to our own mental health challenges because of that level of perfectionism and to the point where we might eventually drive ourselves crazy. So just be aware of the fact that it's great to enjoy that creative process to really kind of let your guard down so you can allow those new ideas to come in freely 
but let's also not get too attached to what we exactly want because we could eventually drive ourselves crazy. So thank you for listening, folks. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to the final part of our three-part series involving what's the deal with dopamine. I hope you were able to learn a few things about how dopamine contributes to the creative process as well as when we have episodes of madness and why certain people might have more of a tendency to go down that path due to perhaps some of their perfectionism. Uh, And I really hope that not only did you get takeaways from this episode, I hope you got some great takeaways from parts two and parts one. And if that is the case, please feel free to share it with others that you feel like might be able to have takeaways as well. You can always support the podcast by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or other platforms that you get your podcasts, as well as following our blog, wardenswisdom.com, and just doing your best to continue to support, because with your support, I can continue to put out the information to educate you folks on different aspects of your life, so that way you can hopefully make it a little bit better today than it was yesterday. So thank you again for your time, and I'm looking forward to you tuning in next time.